Ladies and gentlemen, how do? Hello and welcome to Mondo Street Social Club, a new podcast aimed at bringing creative minds together. Mondo Street is about sharing the creative process, discussing the highs and lows, and talking about how we cope when the creative genie eludes us. Pull up your comfy chair, put on your best headphones, and enjoy the next hour. Hello and welcome to Mondo Street Social Club. In this episode, I'm joined by comedian and illustrator, uh, Matt Reed. Matt, good evening. Good evening indeed. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you today? I am, I want, you know what? I've had a tattoo today and uh, it feels like I've been punched in the arm repeatedly. Oh, but, uh, no. <laughs> Was it a, a large or a small tattoo? It's, uh, it's about palm size on the top of my massive bicep. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you laugh now? It's massive. Uh, and, uh, I was waiting for you to actually show me the... <laughs> it's hidden. Uh, hold on. It's, uh, it's based on... Oh, there he is. It's based on the uh, the wolf from oh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Ah, right, okay. My favorite, one of my favourite films. Yeah, that's the Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, love, I love Wes Anderson. I think yeah. he's great. Great, okay. So, Matt, people will know you predominantly as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a bit of, that's great, but your illustration work is really cool. Well, it's a, like, I, I, it, was a, it, was a, it was something I always wanted to do. When I was a kid, cartoonist was me. Like, if anyone ever asked what I wanted to do, it was cartoonist. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just love it. And then when I found, because the problem I'd always had with not getting into it really was mess and expensive, having paper and pencils and because coloured pencils when I was getting like if you wanted the good ones took like eight nine quid a box and I couldn't wow. afford that yeah. and uh, I did uh, Sunland Uni I went to Sunland Uni did uh, illustration and uh, I wanted to do all that but then I mean like when I finished my course I really I just had to earn money yeah. Yeah. so it's crazy that you can't buy drawn cartoon characters unless you're, you're lucky yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's one that caught my eye which was a series for the uh, succession characters Oh yeah, yeah. I think you'll have some more ammunition by the end of this series. God, oh my, I cannot believe how good that program is. <laughs> it's we watched it last night. The, yeah. the, that episode tore me apart. Uh, like I was, like, mm. yeah. God, it's such a good show. It's, it's really well written, and uh, oh, just, just when you think that um, they might have a single ounce of humanity left, they yeah. go, they go and say, "Nah." Yeah, I. You're going. Oh, actually, you know what? He might just. No, he's just kicked the puppy. <laughs> and then the puppy goes and kicks a cat, and it, yeah. it just escalates onwards. And, and he invests in, a, in, a, in, a, in some sort of deep sea, like a deep sea pollution company. Yeah. Not not even creating anything, just making a mess of the ocean yeah. for the money. Oh, it's, it's insane. It's it really is. So, what then? Growing up, you wanted to to draw cartoons. You wanted to be an illustrator. How did comedy come about? Well, I've never, never ever envisaged being a comedian in my life uh, until me and my mates were like, I used to, because I realised like you can't, I mean, not from my background, you can't just pick up a pencil and paper and go, all right, I'm drawn now. Uh, you, you can't tragically, yeah. Mm. And um, so I, I, got, I, got, I was doing a lot of shitty jobs, you know, I did like, uh, I was a lifeguard at Crow Tree Leisure Centre in Sunderland for a bit, uh, Ice Monitor, which was just dangerous. Uh, and then... After that, uh, I went. To, I worked at a little supermarket in fence houses called Nice at the Deer, and it was it was just so easy. I like I felt like kind of like in a, just an easy way of living, you know, like going, yeah. going to work. I earned enough to get by. Then I got a house, and then and then uh, made me friends. After on a Friday night, what we'd do is we'd just I'd just go around my friends and we'd get absolutely wasted. Mm. Like uh, we'd have smoke and uh, it'd be absolutely wasted, and would would watch Chris Morris. Mm. Uh, Fast Show, uh, Partridge, we'd watch this thing called, uh, called uh, TV Awful, Victor Lewis Smith, um, which just made us hurt laughing. <laughs> and we were just, we should write sketches, just like, oh, should we write sketches? So we did, like, just for a bit, carry on, me, a lad called Michael Curran and Farron Smith. Okay. And we'd go around to Michael's and uh, we'd, um, we'd, we got a camera, uh, Farron got a camera and we started making like stupid sketches and um, 
we just had so much fun with it and it made us it made us laugh till like what we do is each of us would take the camera home yeah. and would come back in the week like the next week and we'd all sit around and watch what they had filmed and then we'd go right how can we make this better and uh, the, the three of us used to write uh, where I felt there was one uh, where there's a bloke meets each other and you know when their lads are a bit like ooh like when they meet and like one of them like hits them and like it just it escalates and like they just have a conversation but having a knife fight at the end because like, it's like ooh and then it's like oh yeah you're alright <laughs> and then like one of them pulls a knife but like yeah. they don't acknowledge it they're just like have you ever tried Tuscany Tuscany's at this time of year <laughs> you know? and uh, it was so ridiculous and we, we just had so much fun uh, writing them and, and then uh, the hyena in Newcastle had um, at the time that had the, when it was downstairs, it really cared about comedy. When it moved upstairs, the owner was wasn't great uh, of the building. Uh, but like when it moved, when it was downstairs, they really cared about comedy, and they put their workshops on. And Arnold Brown mm. did a workshop, and he's like he, one of the people that helped write the young ones. Yeah. He was in the young. He helped write the comic book presents. He was one of the first people on the comedy store stage. In the uh, I think he was in the um, best, greatest show on legs. You know, with the balloons, mm, where they yeah. got the balloons and uh, with uh, all those lads like Martin Hardy and stuff, and like it meant a lot, you know. Like, we were like, oh, you wrote the young ones, so I went along and because uh, it's Newcastle, it was like the people who had gone to a sketch workshop, you know, like <laughs> you, you got to, oh, you got love for, you got love for. Uh, so we, we, we snuck in, like, we're kind of, and it was all Amdram people, all right. so we, we sat amongst all the people, go, wouldn't it be funny? <laughs> <laughs> Drove a car. <laughs> Uh, and you could see Arnold just going, hi, hi, it's great. <laughs> then he got to us, and it was really nice. It was like he got to us, and he and he, you could see his ears prick up. And he was like, all right, I like that. I said, have you got any more? So we got to do two when everyone else got to do one, and you could tell them getting annoyed by us because we were just these little three skip rats. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and, uh, so I like tell them the sketches. Go, oh, yeah, yeah. He says, I really like them. Write, write this down. Write, uh, I like that. Okay, okay. And we'll go, oh, brilliant. And then he'd go on to the next one, and the next one, oh, like, and he did this sketch, and uh, he says, there. And like, goes, mm. he goes, all right, what would you do at the end of that sketch to us? Mm. And we're like, oh, how about this? Do that like that. He goes, that's much better. Right? <laughs> so we'll instantly, everyone hated us. Oh, wow. And, it's like, <laughs> and uh, it was like, it was like my fair lady or something. And uh, so we got like, we got like, to, and someone came up with us like, dead, like, like, you. We go, all right, oh, you, you think you're going to comedy? Well, stand-up's harder. Have you ever tried stand-up? I went, no. no. No, do you want to try it? No, I went, all right then. And I did my first gig in a place called The Three Horseshoes at Leamside. Yeah. To about, I'd say, my mum, my dad, my brother was there, and I think my mate, Michael, Karen, was there, and they were so nervous. But I, I, I never had the nerves, I, I just thought, because a lot of people, oh god, it must be the difficult, most difficult. It's not. It's like it's it's your mentality about yeah. that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't work on a rig. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'd, I'd, I'd I couldn't be in a space station. Mm-hmm. I'd go insane. Yeah, um, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, so like, oh, it must be the most difficult job in the world. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like instantly fell in love with it. The minute I got my first laugh, I was like, whoa, this is brilliant. And my first gig ever, fortunately, was lovely. So I was like, well, I'm hooked. Yeah. Second one was one of the worst things that's ever happened. It was a gig in Sunderland as well. Yeah. It was a Yates' Wine Lodge, <gasps> I think. Yeah. God. It was, I got told I was doing, uh, but that's the thing, you get thrown in the, oh, you've got 10 minutes to do at the end. I was like, yeah. 10 minutes? I was like, forever. I was like, okay, no bother. But you got to do 10 at the end. And I was like, okay. And it was a joke competition for anyone to walk onto the stage to oh. and tell a joke. And then I was supposed to do 10 at the end. And the lads that were getting up were vile. Some of them were like racist jokes. Oh. And I was just like, what is happening here? And then, uh, so like, I went up at the end and I just went, I had like three minutes and all the lads were just like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, <laughs> horrible. Oh, no. this. And then I'd had, off the first gig, I had a couple of gigs booked. So I'd, I'll just do them, see how it goes. Third one was at the Washington Arts Centre. Yeah. And I had a lovely time. Yeah. And I just thought, there's a good ratio of having a good time or a bad time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose that's the that's the the motivator for you, isn't it? If you if yeah, you're getting that balance, because yeah. you, you do need a little bit of fear in stand up. Of course. Oh yeah. I mean, like, I don't don't get us wrong. I wasn't like uh, I was like Billy Cocky, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I was just yeah. like, mm. uh, <laughs> but I, I loved it so much, and um, like 
as it was going along, it was like, because back then it wasn't what it is now. Comedy's completely changed now. Yeah. It, um, I mean, in, in a load of ways, good, loads of ways, bad. But back then it wasn't like a career. Yeah. It was more like it was a hobby thing that some people earn money from. Mm. Like people like Dave Johns and Gavin Webster, yeah. two of me, two of me, me, me peers, and Anvil Springsteen, who was there at the time. And, uh, uh, I worked with one of the lads I worked with the, on my second ever gig, uh, Andy Andy White, the other day. He's brilliant from uh, from Birmingham, lovely. But um, it wasn't it wasn't a career at all. You couldn't. It was more of a hobby. There wasn't enough gigs to sustain a career yeah. unless you got in with the, the comedy chain Jonglers, which is now defunct. Um, but if you got in with them, that was great because you got the hotel. You got uh, your travel was the only expense you had. They paid your hotel and they paid you. I think it was something like. 290 quid and this was in 99 2000 yeah it was uh, 280 quid 270 quid and if you went to leeds the leeds one you got to do the thursday friday two shows saturday one on sunday and on saturday in between the two gigs there was gigs around the corner you could do so you were more like quadruple gig on the thing you what we were like three grand uh, over a weekend and it was yeah, but I mean, but that's the thing. The money's exactly the same as it is now yeah. than it was then. Yeah, it's, they've not bothered raising it. And then there's a, there's a few clubs being a bit unscrupulous and going like, "Oh yeah, COVID, we've dropped the money until it gets better." <laughs> they've just not bothered putting it back up. No, no, they've seen that as a way of increasing their profit margin, haven't they? Yeah, it's been a bit. That, that's been a big, big grim. But like when I started, like it was just pub rooms and it was exciting. And yeah. I've been in some tiny little rooms with some of the biggest people on the on on the telly. And yeah. uh, I did a gig in Coventry uh, with Michael McIntyre as Compa, wow. uh, and like it was about thirty people there. Yeah. One of the uh, Christmas ones I did in Edinburgh mm. at Jonglers. It was me, uh, one of my good mates who's doing really well at the moment called Mark Nelson. Mm. Uh, Tom Stade, who's a brilliant Canadian comic, one of my favourites, and uh, Kevin Bridges what? was closing. And there was 19 people in. 19? 19. 19. <laughs> and now he's sold out. He's, he's got the, I think he's got the record for most amount of uh, arena shows in a row. Mm. Sold out the Ovo in Glasgow for a month solid. Wow. At 30,000, I think that was. That is incredible, isn't it? When, when you think about it, at the, at the very, very core, the essence is one yeah. person telling a joke yeah yeah, yeah. exactly well yeah i mean like, that's that's a good i think that's a because a lot of a lot of businesses don't understand how good comedy is for your club because the overheads are nothing yeah nothing you've got you need a mic and a, and, a, and you need chairs facing the right way yeah that's all you need yeah. and as long as it's not some sort of fisher price sound equipment then <laughs> then you fight because and uh, like i did the theater royal and uh, I was kind of embellishing it, like when I was on stage the other day, and I was like, "Oh, come and see us at the Theatre Royal uh, next time when I do one," because because my the people who come to see me drink, yeah. and their uh, comedy clubs, comedy goers drink, they drink, yeah. so your bar takes through the roof. And I said, "Oh, I brought the world, I brought the record at the uh, Town Theatre bar," and the the woman had come to me short yeah. from the Town Theatre, and she went, "Do you know what you might have?" And I went, "Right, what did you make on the bar?" She went when we had seven and a half grand. Holy! On one night, I was like, "That's my boys." <laughs> <laughs> and, and women, and women. Yeah, that's the. Uh, the sur- <laughs> no, it's probably the glasses. Eh? Yeah, the, the uh, surprise for subscription is uh, liver failure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I loved. I, I, I instantly fell in love with comedy, and uh, that was. I just couldn't like. Every time I had a bad gig, I just went, "All right, well, what did I do wrong?" Rather than like, "Well, that's it," and. Um, I just still, I still get a kick. If I if I would get booted into my favourite clubs, or if I say I'm on with a friend of mine, and I still get a kick out of it. Yeah. This weekend I'm in Brighton. I can't wait. I haven't been to that club for ages. I love the city, yeah. and it's going to be great. I've got three gigs in Brighton this weekend. It's going to be great fun. Fantastic. So, most comedians, most actors, because there is that similarity between yeah. between the the actor and the and the comedian way their brain works. That they they are fearful of bombing uh, of of not having a good time while they're performing, but you seem to be quite pragmatic about it. I've, I think I got better. I got like, cause I compare a lot to, ah, right. I host the show. So I'm yeah. like very audience interaction. So my gigs are never the same gig 
Like that's why I love doing that because if you if you interact with the audience, it's become a bit of a thing at the minute with comedy where people all interact and they put the videos up with them interacting with the audience. Yeah. And some of it's just like there's nothing there. Like, but there's some of them are very good at it, but some of them are just like they'll put anything up because it makes it look like they've just come up for the on the spot, and it's, they rarely have. Yeah. But it's and there's some brilliant ones that are doing it. I mean, Paul Smith's absolutely steaming at the minute. He's 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 filling arenas. He's doing brilliantly, and I like Paul. He's a good lad. Uh, but that's like that's kind of where it started. His like compare and got onto the got onto the internet, the Hot Water Comedy Club, yeah. which is brilliant at marketing. And they have made a star out of him, like to the degree where he's, he's a millionaire now. You know, he just bought him a McLaren. He bought a Lamborghini. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't, he's, can't afford to put petrol in it though. Oh yeah, I mean, don't get us wrong. Yeah. Like he'll be skinny, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> like, he's great, Paul. He's, he's he's a good lad. And um, so like they've been brilliant at marketing, and they showed the crowd what. Because normally you'd see live at the Apollo, you'd see people going, joke, 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 slick yeah. as anything. Yeah. You've just seen this scouser come on, what's your name? And like ripping someone apart. Yeah. And they're going, whoa, I like this. <laughs> and like, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, so, and like, I've just gone, oh, why didn't I put that out? And uh, yeah. I think every comment in the world's gone, why haven't I put that out? And it's it, it appears to be a magic formula where if you have a go at the crowd and it goes well, then you'll do well. So everyone's trying to do it now. Yeah. And it's, it looks so tired yeah. now. Yeah. Like, like it needs to. It, people need to find like the wrong thing now. You know, like uh, there's a lot of lads uh, in the northwest, the northwest steam, like doing so well. Yeah. They've got um, they've got podcasts coming out of their ass. You know, like there's uh, and hit podcasts, not just podcasts. Like they've got listeners. Yeah. I mean, there's the have a word yeah. uh, with uh, one of my, a very good friend of mine does that one. Uh, Dan Nightingale, I love him. One of the best comics, and I started with him at the hyena. He, uh, I saw his very first gig. And he was, uh, he's doing, I think they've just hit 22,000 Patreons. And the minimum of that, I think it's three quid a, a Patreon minimum. And some of them, some of them go up to 25 quid. So they're making money hand over fist, which is brilliant. Because I mean, like it, it, but it showed that because they did it all without, because I mean, they're, they're just like, they're just working class lads mm. from the North, you know? Yeah. And it showed that you didn't need the, the London mafia yeah. that does kind of control all of this, like the, to, um, to, to get ahead, mm. you know? Because I mean, we had the BBC thing, we had the BBC City of Comedy up here recently, and it 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 was basically just patting us on the head, like oh, it was just yeah. it was just uh, it was empty empty promises yeah. and words, you know. A few people got it, but a few people got a few things out of it, but yeah. And the, the comedy showcase was, I think, it was three people are already signed to like major major agents mm-hmm. and um. What's and uh, loads of London spots had come up to do the showcase for the Northeast Comedy Showcase, and I was like, "What's this?" It, was, it, was just, it just felt a bit lip servicey, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, a few people did get some good stuff out of it. There was a lot of grants handed out yeah, and stuff yeah, to yeah. to the right people and stuff, but uh, it was it still it felt a bit no or something because I went to see a lot of the seminars. The sem- I enjoyed a lot of the seminars because I got to see Charlie Brooker. Yeah. Uh, interviewed by Romesh and uh, Romesh is an old friend of mine and like it was nice to see him and I, I love Charlie Brooker I think he's great uh, so I wanted to see his uh, tip but every single one that I went to see like how to get ahead in the business well, get, well I knew someone that, and you're just like there you go that's how that you knew someone yeah. and it's like, yeah. I, like there's no one up here to know you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so what was your trajectory then from the from the early days you know you, you, you were playing the smaller venues did you accelerate quickly did you did, well, did your star catch fire as they say well well kind of i kind of got, got like a bit of like all oh, look at this young this look at this young upstart he's doing well and i used to like uh, someone introduces puts the word chasm into sarcasm because yeah. i was quite uh quite a negative goodness and like uh and it was but that was a lovely way to describe it and but then um it kind of like leveled out because there was nowhere else to go and unless you went out to London, yeah. and because um, it was it was very London centric then as well, if you wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what, what was the one? Oh yeah, I did uh, a friend of mine, Toby Foster. Yeah. You know, uh, Phoenix Knights, yeah. yeah, the drummer. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a, a very old friend of mine, and uh, he he was he was doing um, <laughs> sorry, a very close personal friend. <laughs> uh, he, he was doing a uh, he was he. he he runs a gig in Sheffield and I did a few of them and he got asked to do Leeds Festival mm. and he couldn't do it. He went, oh, give, give Matty a go, give Matty a go. 
So I, I got to do Leeds Festival, and, and I was on just before, I think it was Ed Byrne at the height of his fame. So the, the tent was rammed. Yeah. Like two and a half, three thousand people. Like uh, like people stand at the back, like uh, like rammed, and people all the way at the front. And I was so excited. I was like, eh, this is amazing. And it was like just before I went on, and I went out, and I still can't remember anything as good as it. Like the gig I had there was like it was just your best twenty once you once you've been honing your twenty years, yeah. you like raise up on it and this was in front of it and it just everything worked. Oh. Like everything. Every joke landed yeah. and I actually there was one joke, I forget which one I used to do a joke about Night Rider, which I've dropped now because it's dated. Yeah. But I did this joke about Night Rider and I actually my clothes actually moved <laughs> with the sound from the crowd. It went boom. <laughs> okay. That is insane. Yeah. And I came up with the, and the lad that owns uh, Off the Curve is called Danny. He's brilliant, lovely guy. And I came off and he goes, fucking hell. He goes, how come I've never seen you before, mate? And I went, does he never pick your phone up, Danny? He goes, oh. yeah. Yeah, he goes, yeah, a little bit of a print and all that, yeah. And he goes, all right. It says, don't you worry. And anyway, next day, my diary just went, yeah. wow. Uh, gave, loads, gave us the Glee clubs, which is some of the best clubs in the country. Yeah. Cardiff, Nottingham, uh, Birmingham, Glee is just, oh, it's a treat, man. I love the Cardiff Glee as well. Nottingham Glee is just moving at the minute. It was so good. One in Oxford and uh, one in Glasgow okay. now. And such good clubs. Yeah. Such good clubs. Yeah. Uh, and then I kind of, like, that was me on the professional side. And then I did 2006, I did Edinburgh with um, just the tonic. And it was called, uh, what, what were these? Big Value Comedy, which is a showcase. Yeah. So it was me, a lad called Aaron Counter, this arrogant Australian lad <laughs> who was, oh God, he was awful. Um, then, oh God, he was in the middle. Colin Owens, who I really like, he lives down in Southampton. And Sarah Milligan was closing. Yeah. The early one, and in the late one, uh, it was Tom Riggles with his great Andrew Bird, who's on tour support with Russell Howard at the minute. Uh, a lad called Vince Fluke, who was an absolute nightmare of epic proportions, <laughs> and uh, me bet one of me who became my best friend, a lad called Benny Boot, an Australian lad, uh, and he is he's just so funny, he's just what he's one of my favorite people on the planet. And um, we got on, and uh, the Jonglers Booger came to see the showcase. And me and Sarah just had an absolute screecher of a gig. It was so good. Uh, like, three lads stood up. Because, like, I mean, there was still a lot of stigma about female comics yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. We thought, like, Sarah was one of the, like, no, we are good. Yeah. <laughs> and three, like, hairy-arsed builders stood up unabashedly and gave, them a sta- gave her a stand ovation in a room that didn't have many people in. Yeah. And they stood up and, like, unashamed. Because normally you'd be like, oh, oh I like the lots of it. <laughs> they were just like, yeah. And and Julia, the booker, who's lovely as well, she came up and she just went, right, no more auditions, you should get them jobless, I'll, I'll fill your diaries for you. And that was like, that was my mortgage paid. Wow. Like, uh, that was, that's what sort of. Yeah. Like, uh, um, like, it was, like, it didn't like pay off my mortgage, but like, that's me monthly payments yeah. without any kind of hassle. It was brilliant. And uh, that was when I kind of like that, well, right, because uh, I quit my job to go and do Edinburgh. Yeah. And then I... Turned out it was worth it because it would uh, oh, that, that's really impressive. That because that must have been a hell of a gamble for you. Oh, it was uh, I mean, it, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Edinburgh actually. That's a lie. Uh, it was just it was the Christmas before because I wasn't allowed my phone, uh, so I had to keep my phone in my pocket. And uh, it was a not yeah, it was about this big, <laughs> you know, the ones where you had to press the numbers a number of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I text in my pockets, which did look weird considering I was hidden from that. Side. <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> so <clears throat> I text. I could text back, and I've got this message off the stand. Actually, it was in Edinburgh. They went, "Oh, want you for the Christmas show?" Because I was in a double, act, and I did a double act at the time uh, with Farron. Because yeah. Michael uh, couldn't do it; he was having he's on a few problems, so he couldn't do any comedy. He kind of dropped out to the wayside. And me and Farron did a double act, did silly songs and mm. stuff like that. A lot of the stuff we wouldn't get away with now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we're doing. Um, so we're doing that, and uh, I was tech- like, I got a text said, "Can you come do the Edinburgh stand yeah. in nineteenth to the twenty third of December?" So I went upstairs. I said, "The boss is look, I've been asked if I can do the nineteenth to the twenty third in Edinburgh, so I need that time off." And he just went, "I can't. Like, it's nineteenth to the twenty third of December. Yeah. It's so busy. Yeah. Uh, I'll need the staff." And I just went, "All right, no bother." So I came down. I, I was going to text him. I just went, "No, I'll text him later. I'll see if anyone can cover us. So I might be able to sort something." And I scanned. There was there was a few customers I hated, and one of them came to the counter, and I was just scanning the stuff, and I just went, no. Nah. I switched my tail off, went, oh, 
Oh, <laughs> I went, me, me tills broke. I'll just go upstairs and see what I can, <clears throat> see what I can do. You just go along the end. So they went along the end, and I went upstairs. I just went, I can't work here anymore. Oh, I can't get this. And he just was, I was just waiting for you to say yeah, it, to be honest, man. Yeah. So he says, well, good luck. Can you work your notice? I went, absolutely, I'll work your notice. But, like, I'm do- I've got to do that. And I went, and it was just one of the, one of the best... One of the best Christmases because I got to do um got to do a corporate. We were doing like uh, uh, one of the gigs on the night, and they said the stand was like, "Look, can you go over in the afternoon to this hall? It's black tie do. You're on with it was Janie Godley and uh, Frankie Boyle." Now we were like, "Oh yeah, no bother," because I mean, he, he wasn't it wasn't it hadn't even been on the telly at the time, so so it was like, "No bother." And we we were very like dark, scruffy, like you know, like had, we both had long hair, yeah. like. We were like singing these horrible songs about <laughs> like uh, the Trump rap the and Trump uh, I and uh, nicotine songs about how cool it is to be smoking and stuff. <laughs> and um, we're doing these songs and they hated us. And there was this one song where I slammed the mic stand down and I've still got the scar, took a chunk oh. out of my finger. Like, ah, like that. To the point where when I moved the mic stand afterwards, it I heard the chunk hit the floor. Oh. It was so bad that my hand was absolutely pouring blood. And I realised they, they just they hated us. There was no interest in them. Some people were like, <coughs> excuse me, some people were like rolling their eyes. And I was like, oh, God, I hate yous as well. Yeah. And they were all in tuxedos and black tie. And my hand was absolutely covered in blood. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go to prison for this now. But um, at the end, I went, like, I mean, I was like pouring up blood. And, and I looked at them and just went, okay. Good night. Oh, <laughs> I, like, I want off going, get your deposits back now. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Oh, my word. A little bit of a punk rocker inside you there, then. Oh, yeah. But that's that's the, another thing I like about comedy. It's like, um, you kind of like, you walk on stage, like, who who is this? You yeah. know, like, it's like, like, like the mystery man. Like, I mean, uh, I, I use some really arrogant music to come on stage. I look like When the Man Comes Around by uh, Johnny yeah. Cash's. <laughs> Great song to walk on to. You feel like a <laughs> man. <laughs> that's, that sets up a certain expectation, and you can blow that. Yeah, yeah. you can blow that image out of the water straight away. Then, can't you? There's some fantastic, like uh, the, the Glee, as I was on about. What they do is they play. I think it's the beginning of like it's a, it's a on the front. He goes to Hollywood. Uh, Twelve inches. This thing. It sounds like uh, a Tim Burton film. It's getting doom doodle doodle and the uh, lights around and everyone. This is like. This is four minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Take your seats. Four minutes on the show. And then you walk on stage. You've already hit your before you hit the yeah. stage. And it's it's yours to lose from that point on. Oh, God. It's it's nothing later. Nothing yeah. later. Yeah. Love it. So how how has um how's comedy been since the pandemic then? Well, I've just been so grateful that um that I've I've been enjoying every gig more. It's it's like um you know that um if a man has a gun to his head and then he, he survives, then his next breakfast will taste like the best yeah. breakfast he's ever had. It was like that because I honestly, when the pandemic hit, I don't think I've ever been as low. Like I was, I was, at the, I was on the bottom. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Like the idea where like everything you've worked for for the past 10, actually it'll be about 18 years at that point, everything you've worked for for 18 years to get anywhere and do the job you love that's gone yeah. unlucky and the government was like as much use as tits on a fish yeah. like there was just a yeah I, I mean i can't i can't begin to tell you how much i hate the tories yeah. but um you're in good company oh God, i i would watch every one of them drown yeah. um and like i was like and i was just saying they were like retrain and i was like how how dare you yeah. how dare like and i was so angry all the time yeah. and then when i got out of it and like I always remember like my first gig without restrictions because I was doing like gigs with restrictions, and to be honest, it was a, it was a fascinating. The way people trying to get round stuff was incredible. Like I was doing gigs in Rayton Arena, and they had like a five thousand tent, and they were like limiting it like a thousand. Yeah. So like there was tables with chalk lines around where you yeah. weren't allowed to go, yeah. and then people just fetching them beers like <laughs> some of them. Right, here's your beer. And um, but it was. It was when I got out of it and I finally started doing the comedy clubs that I couldn't travel to before. I mean, I've never like the elation was yeah. just like so good. It was so much good. And then there was there was a period when everything was like, everyone's fine now. You can leave. You can do what you want to do. There was a period when no one understood what was going on, and 
it was so confusing. But at the same time, like I mean, the amount of jokes about the pandemic. Like there's still people now going, uh, ooh, are we okay after lockdown? He's like, you might want to update a bit, but yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, I put a lot of people did like stuff at home, yeah. Like that they wouldn't have done. So we've got loads of new material because I, I did my ancestry. My auntie did our ancestry of the family okay. and found some stuff out. So I've used that in my set, and uh, we got we got a dog just before lockdown. So we're like, I use that in my set now, and it's. Uh, I mean, it was it was a rich theme of material, but. We tried Zoom gigs as well, which were horrible. Yeah. I did one in car parks where all the people were in the cars, like a drive-in, yeah. and the thing people were like bitting the horns, like to laugh. All right, <laughs> but the bip's such an aggressive thing because of what it's meant to be for, like to warn people. Yeah. So, like if you you know you're kind of joking, people are basically going. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, it was, that's going to ruin that's, your rhythm, now, isn't it? Oh, so it was horrible, oh, horrible. And like and you want like and you go like oh what's your name and the blue cavalier yeah. and it's like why are we doing this oh my god but we did I mean you had to do everything and that's when I over lockdown I started doing me drawings again yeah. uh, that's why I started doing my illustrations again because uh, I needed to earn some money and the stand was in a lot of like trouble and the stand helped me from the very start. So, like, I tried to help them. I saw pictures of the stand, and um, I, I made quite a bit of money because all of the comics like bought them and p- big fans of the stand. And, uh, and it was it was lovely. It was I mean there was a nice community spirit in amongst the comics. That's a lot of people started podcasting after after because they realised that um, that that might happen again, yeah. and you know something that you can do and make money from when you're at home. Yeah. You know, totally. so it was. But afterwards, now it's like. There has been a few people, like I said, taking advantage of it and kept the money down mm. and stuff like that, which is shady. But um, uh, everyone's everyone's great. I mean, the stand is selling a lot more now. I think, and uh, in Manchester, there's um, the comedy store. I do the comedy store on the on the Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that sells that sells out most nights. Um, and the the Frog and Bucket in Manchester now does two shows on the Saturday because they're just selling so many because people are. People are terrified they're going to have it taken away from them again. I think. Yeah, th- there is a there is a huge increase in demand for comedy because people have seen too much reality now. Yeah, because there's nothing to laugh at. Yeah, there's, the, you're, there's you're, nothing. There, you're right. There's there's very few things in the world which are funny or, or exactly. even I mean, mildly amusing at the moment. Yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of political comedy at the moment because the, it's beyond parody. You couldn't write it, like, could you? Yeah, he couldn't. I mean, like, if if I if I'd invented Donald Trump before he existed, <laughs> it wouldn't. It, people have just gone. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, like, and there's a lot of there's a rise of uh, what what's happened now is over lockdown, which is one of the horrible little things about what's happened with uh, comedy. So a lot of comics have uh, turned right wing because they've realised there's money there. There's a lot of them don't believe a word to see. Yeah. It's it's horrendous. And they've gone like they've got they've gone anti-vax. Some of them have gone absolutely crazy like i mean i say crazy they go oh i'm a sheep because i don't but like the anti-vax uh and the some of them i mean they went so they went some of them started denying the holocaust it was insane oh my god you know i don't know where they took that leap from you know it, but like well, if the, if the, government, the government's watching the government's watching you and you're like oh, oh man god. yeah if they're that you're desperate for material surely they should just pack up some of the uh, some of the comics went crazy and like and then and then there was all this like because people had so much time on their hands, I think, like, this whole, like, everyone goes, oh, you can't say anything anymore. You can say what you want as long as it's funny. Like, and every now and again, you'll you'll have, like, someone will complain and it'll gain traction because of Twitter and stuff like that. But, I mean, but, but then you look at the, the jokes that they pick on and sometimes you go, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be saying that, you know, like, but, like, that's why I, ne- I just, I'll never touch on subjects. Like, it, it I know, like, comics are supposed to be, oh, this is what I think. But, like, you watch some of the comics just... They're clueless, and you could you wouldn't even ask them to order themselves a meal, and they're they're like going up to them, going, "What do you think about transgender issues? Why are you asking him? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if I unless I can form a coherent argument one way or another, I'm not talking about yeah. it because it's none of my business. Well, at the end of the day, it's your it's your credibility, it's your occupation, mm-hmm. it's your yeah. livelihood. Yeah, so if I steam in with a stupid opinion, then it's a, I mean, but like, I mean, like people say, you can't say anything, you can't say anything. I was in Blackpool uh, this week and gone, which 
it's not a nice place. Uh, <laughs> it, it needs modernisation, doesn't it, from the uh, sewers? I mean, from the, uh, from the high, exactly. It just needs knocking down starting again. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. Every child there looks sticky. Yeah. I don't understand that. <laughs> like, I was like, Ugh. but uh, but I went there and uh, like I was doing the gig and we having a lovely time. But like just along the path, uh, like Chubby Brown's doing a show, and I'm like, so if if you can't say anything anymore, because I know what his material is yeah. like, it's it's like just bigotry. Oh, <laughs> and uh, but like he was selling out, like you know, he's like he's got thousands of people in there laughing their head off at uh, his jokes about hitting his missus about, and you just say, well, don't tell us you can't say anything because you clearly can, and all the ones that say you can't, they're all on the biggest platforms on the planet going you can't say anything you can't say what i'm just about to say anymore you just say it yeah. why, why stop making stuff up <laughs> it, it, it always beggars belief for me because you know you, the, the best comics in the world are the people that can say anything mm -hmm. but not be offensive or offend mm -hmm. somebody whilst they're saying it you yeah. know ricky gervais has been very 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 clever about transgender for example He's made a few comments about it, and he's not come down on either side of the argument, but he's very cleverly made his point, and nobody's gone, oh, Ricky Gervais, oh, bloody hell. Well, there is quite, there's quite a lot of comic-wise. He's, he's not, he's not particularly one way or the other, really, but like, uh, there's, the, way talk, the way he talks about it is that you kind of go, all right, Ricky, we'll get yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like I say, it's his opinion. It's, it's none of my business. Like, and it's, there's always that argument. Like, if there's a comic you don't like, what, what, stop watching them. Turn the TV over if you don't like the program you're watching. Instead of get. I mean, like, unless it's outright race hate or homophobia, yeah. like where it's to a dangerous degree, where it'll inspire people to assault yeah. or anything like that, then. Just it, if you haven't got the common sense not to be influenced by someone that's telling stupid jokes, then you're the problem. Yeah. I don't, I don't get how 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 people can't understand that. Like if you, if I come in and go, because I'm telling a joke and I go, oh, Boris Johnson, I wish he would die, and people go like, oh, I can't believe it. I haven't got the power to make that happen. So I say that, <laughs> like, but you, but you're in a you're in a comedy situation. Yeah. It's a um, joke. The, the, I mean, it's both sides. I mean, the, the, the right's a bunch of absolute morons and the far left are an absolute bunch of morons. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like rewriting, like the, the rewriting the stuff and that. You're just like, just teach why it's bad. Don't get rid of it. Yeah, that, like, that's, that's starting to spread a bit too far for my liking that. Yeah. But, like, but then, then you get the right going, you can't say anything. This will get cancelled. And like the, and the race swapping in there in Disney, yeah. where they go, oh, what is the problem with that? I mean, like, Ariel's black. Who's little moment she was never black. Like, she she's a fish. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fairy tale a from <laughs> Hans Christian Anderson. And I tell you what, I tell you what, you complaining because they've changed the story too much. Okay, if you kept the original story, she dies on her own on the beach yeah. because the prince. Decides not to go out there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's me. a lovely Disney ending story. And she didn't really have a singing lobster with her. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> no, there was, Sebastian wasn't trying to drag a corpse back into this. <laughs> if it was realistic, Sebastian would have come and eaten our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But uh, yeah, but I mean, like, uh, so like, I, I try not to be, I try not to be controversial. I try not to touch on anything. But if anything brings it up, and if you can't do it in a light-hearted way, you just like, I think, uh, unless you're one of the comics that loves to promote, like, there's people, there's people that are brilliant at doing it. Like Doug Stanhope, yeah. I'm not particularly one in dark comedy, but he is so good. Like, there's people do horrible jokes, and I just think that's fine as long as you've got a point. So if you're coming up going, oh, pedophiles, you're like, what? Yeah. You go, I thought you find that funny. Why would I find that funny? It's disgusting. Yeah. Like, oh, we're, we're telling a joke about it that's funny. That doesn't mean that you're laughing at children getting touched up. Then go and tell us about that. But you, you rarely do. Just like, oh, Jimmy Savile, why is he? Why is he still? Why is he still? Update your uh, material, please. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got loads more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Let's... Just wait till people start dying, and then next starts going out about them. Oh, you know? <laughs> Rolf Harris died today. He did. What a shame. Yeah, and he went out in a really pleasant way as well. Neck cancer. Oh. Yeah, got what he deserved in my book. 
a horrible, horrible piece of shit. Yeah. Just wait, waiting on glitter now. Uh, and all the other ones that have got injunctions. Yeah, that, um, yeah. Be, there's way too many of them. What's the um, what's the best best heckle you've ever had thrown at you? Well, I've ever had. I actually use because if it's a good heckle and it's not just your shit or get off or out like that. If someone's actually thought about it, or they're funny enough, then even if it's a shit joke that works at the time. Last I was I was doing the comedy store. There was a lad in London. Was a lad at the front, and he, he trained blind dogs, oh, okay. like guide dogs for the blind. Not blind. He didn't train blind. Dogs. What point? What a point! To give this blind dog to this blind man. Wow. I mean, don't get us wrong. Blind dogs have every right to be trained. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> but there's a good block of trained guide dogs from the blind. And I went, oh, that's lovely. And someone at the back went, didn't see that coming. Uh, I was like, oh. But it was so well timed yeah. that the whole crowd went, <laughs> and I went, you know what? Yeah. That was well timed. Yeah. And again, and he got the round of applause. I love stuff like yeah. that. I love, like, I've seen it like, too. The, the, some of the bits I use on stage are like genuine, genuine hettles I've had. Yeah. Uh, but like, one of them, there's a lad that um, was a Geordie lad at Leeds Junglers years ago. And uh, he shouted out, he goes, here. I went, what? He goes, you look like you've just escaped from Jumanji. <laughs> I, like, I, I can't argue. That's oh, brilliant. That is clever, that, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. And, um, but, uh, I mean, like, the, the best heckle I ever saw, and it, it, I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was horrible, because it was just an idiot in the crowd. He was a moron, but the heckle was so, he didn't think it through. It wasn't clever on his part. It was just so unescapable what he said it was Paul Sinner you know Sinner of Paul he's one of my favourite people on the set he's absolutely brilliant and he's one of the best comics he's so clever he's so quick but this absolutely story was years ago it was Leeds Junglers again and uh, it was me Tom Steer John Mann and Sinner Steer was closing I was on first and Sinner was in the middle because he used to have two acts break headline act and uh, and me and John Mann are very joke 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 and, and Sinner's very like uh, explainy and like uh, and uh, and uh, anyway he came on and he started he goes I'm a I'm a I'm a Bengali man from I'm a doctor I, I used to be a GP it was I'm a I'm a gay man it was very hard to come out with my parents because of the culture and, and this lad just stands up and goes yeah mate what are you doing and uh, Paul goes what do you mean he goes you just telling the stories about your life <laughs> I was like. <laughs> He was he was absolutely bang on. <laughs> and how did Paul respond to that though? Well, he, not well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he, I think he still has that as like one of his least favorite gigs of all time. Oh. But yeah, and he came. I think he came off a bit early. He went down to the green room, and I came down, and he, he says he, says, he remembers me coming in, just going, "Paul, I know that was horrible. That was one of the funniest things." That was. <laughs> <laughs> Next night, he absolutely destroyed the place. Yeah. He absolutely took the roof off. Wow. It's just, it's just mad. Like uh, I love, I love a good hate law. Yeah. Like um, somebody, uh, somebody once stood up at a gig, and this is like, yeah, just one. Someone stood up at a gig and went, "Are you from faking it?" There's other ones. I think there's a classic one from Up the Creek, the notoriously brutal one in uh, London, and uh, so on. So I just stood up and went, "Look, mate, what do you want?" <laughs> Like, it, it's almost as if you you want to give them like a reward card or something. Yeah, much. Stamp the card for them after a good one and give it back for a yeah. beer or something. Yeah, this is uh, my favorite heckle story of all time. It might be an apocryphal story. I'm not sure if it's a true story, but it's just so perfect. It was a, the heckle was at a player. You might have heard this story actually. It's a classic one that goes around theaters, I think. And uh, the player was the Diary of Anne Frank, okay. which isn't one you heckle Absolutely, really. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't watch, you know, and uh, but apparently it was just it was terribly done. The set was terrible. The script was terrible. The actors were shit. And right at the end, when the bit when the Nazis broke in the front door, someone at the back stood up and went, "She's in the attic." <laughs> I was like, "Bravo, sir!" He's the best. Yeah, yeah. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. That that is that is uh, yeah. It's- it is absolutely magnificent. <laughs> so, when you just going just going back in time for a, for a moment, when you 
started off out on the path? Were your family, you know, anybody in your family creative, but were they supportive of the change? Oh, 100%. Like, I mean, like, me, me, like, I think in the supermarket, I was earning something like nine grand a year. Because when I first started, I was on £2.70 an hour. And, that's like, and um, so I was earning like nine grand a year. And like, still, do you know what? I was spending like a king. I don't know how I managed it. But um, nine grand a year. And I looked at that and like, and I'm, I'm earning a lot more, like from comedy. And uh, my grand still just never understood. Where well, have you got a proper job yet? Like when I was working, like I was a grand, I'm earning so much money. She went, you're, you're mocking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, it's great, listen. I says, yeah, we're mucking about and I'm getting paid yeah. for grand. I love it. It's like my mate Lee Kyle. Uh, do you know Lee okay, Kyle? Yeah. yeah. He's a great comic and he's he's, he's got this bit where he goes, uh, he says, my teachers never said, like, uh, you, you'll get nowhere mocking about. He says, but I think my, my teachers underestimated how uh, little I'm willing to live off <laughs> if it means that. If it means I can wake up at noon every day, <laughs> that, that is, is the a perfect good line, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's perfect. It's it discreet. Like every time I hear that, I just go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, how about then your creative process? Then, do you are you disciplined in the way that you write new material, or are you um, as it happens on the spare of the moment? Well, I, I've never ever been able to sit down and write okay. and like and write a, I tried I, I did have a story um show that I did write out but just very, very like just in bullet okay. points. About the time I was stalked, I got catfished and stalked really badly. Yeah, really, really badly. badly. Uh, yeah, I mean like police involved and everything. And um, and I, I did I did get like I, I got a show out of it, but that's the thing I hate doing that because like Edinburgh every year it's just all these. I, I can't afford to do Edinburgh. It's now it's just the, it's a realm of the rich now yeah. up there, and um, but during but like uh, the, the whole story, I actually managed to sit and write a like, show and I like, insert jokes into that, and the show the show's up on online actually. Mm-hmm. It's on uh, stand on demand if stand you want to stand website. It's called Stalked Cleverer. <laughs> Put me made to tell us like when I when I put the poster up, he goes, You missed an opportunity there, like well, what do you mean? He goes, Why have you called it stalk? So I went, because that's what happened. He says, Look, you could have had mat fish. I was oh, like, Oh God. God. that's much better. <laughs> so um so yeah, uh like I can't, but my writing process, it's just something that popped in my head and I'll write down like on my phone now, I mean notes is just sentences that hopefully I'll oh, remember what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, I remember where I'm in, and then I'll 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 remember the concept of an idea I had when I'm on stage, and I'll start talking about it. And the good thing about like because I've got quite a, I've got quite a good comedy brain, so when I'm stand talking about something, I can always I always know this is going to be something there, but you're going to have to be prepared to keep walking until there's a joke. Okay. Like is if you give up halfway through, then you've lost two minutes of talking about nothing, yeah. and there's yeah, so you've got to have like a little, you've got to have a, like a, a reverse gear where you, can, where you can get out of a situation because it's called a comedy cul-de-sac where you go down and say, like, you're looking at this, there's like, there's pictures of the skeletons of comics on the way. Turn back, there's yeah. nothing here. <laughs> you know, well, I'll just have a little look. You know? no, no. So there's a lot of that, that, that can happen a lot. Uh, but I I love the idea because all my, my solo shows, I mean, even the big one I did in January, uh, normally people have written this like perfect hour where they've done try out their secret gigs, trying out in front of 40 people before they do the big gig. But I just wrote, I had a few, like I had like five ideas that I wanted to do. And I wrote them down on a piece of paper where my drink was, put them down, went out and I went, hiya. And that was it. That was the, that was the prep wow. that I did for the biggest show of my life. And I was just like, cause I can't, if I start reeling off a joke as if it's a script, it'll sound like that. And people don't come. That was the problem with me writing the story show about stalked. I loved that show, and it did, and it did well. Everyone loved it, and it shocked people, and it made people gasp and everything. But I panicked because I was telling a part of a story, and I'd lose the tension because in my head I've been going that long. I need a laugh, and if I've got three minutes where I laugh, even if I'm just building the story tension, yeah. then I panic. So I'll do a stupid joke and I'll ruin everything, yeah. like ruin everything like that I've built, like. Uh, like uh, tension wise, 
that story was so basically if I if I can I'll tell the story the people that pay to come see me are the ones that like what I do normally so I'll be going like yeah so anyway I've got this so I started and you know my dad was like this and and people going <laughs> why why is he not calling me mate Dave a prick for these shoes I don't I don't <laughs> Dave where'd you get them shoes clown college and it was like hey <laughs> but I love but uh, do you know what I love both I, I love all sides of this and I've tried like what I do is I'm I'm going to, like what my favorite thing in the world is going on and going right. Let's see what happens because yeah. that makes it interesting for me. It makes it like if and that means I can get repeat business because if anyone comes to see me again, if I do the same jokes over and over, like it's I mean like I say like I can't write where I just go right okay that show is yeah. done. Where am I writing? I can't do that. It doesn't work for yeah. me. So I've got to I've got to go out and go. Let's see who I get in the crowd tonight and what what fun I can have with them. That's why when I do a solo show, I'll always make there a concept to the show where I can basically use it as audience interaction. So the show I do regular at the stands called Ha Ha Magadin, uh, because of a bit that I came up with. The, what, the first show I did there was called uh, Gin Credible. It was just me drinking gin with everyone, having a laugh. <laughs> okay. And then, and then we had I had one called An Hour of Your Time. And it was just basically me waffling on and we came up I came up with this concept accidentally I got there was a builder there and it was just after Putin was like oh I'm gonna blow the world up and I went you're a builder I says can you do a bunker sounds like the world's gonna and then I went what do we need and everyone started making suggestions for the bunker and I went all right wait what do you do see if you can get me bunker and they were like oh well I can do this and then people started like competing with each other and I was like all right wait why would you should you be in the bunker and he not what I can do this and the other one and it was brilliant. So this show I've got now, Ha Ha Mageddon, came from that. The whole concept came from a little bit that actually accidentally kicked off in the crowd. Like, is a, is a lovely bit where we're all having a lovely chat. And uh, the whole premise is, I've got the last bumper. Yeah. And the crowd's got to convince me that they're worthy of the last civilization. So I'm the, like, I play the charismatic cult, like, I'm cult leader, but I keep saying, I'm not a cult. Uh, <laughs> We'll get people and I says, right, what do I need? I says, and if I says, oh, like, oh, I'm a nurse, uh, but you've got to be more than yeah. a nurse. We've got nurses. We'll, we'll, well, I had some brilliant ones. Like, there was one bloke. He was the size of this, the size of the uh, barn door. And uh, I says, what? He was a power lifter, a personal trainer. As we are getting in, because if, <laughs> if the front door fails, you could be the door. <laughs> and I says, we need security. And I got this, I found this bloke. He looked like someone from like, Call of Duty, like he had this big beard, he had sunglasses on indoors, a cat one. He was like, down like that. And I says, All right, what do you do? He goes, He goes, Actually, I'm uh, a bodyguard. Oh, I went, No way. Yeah. I says, Who for? Is it someone cool? He goes, It's the United Arab Emirates delegate in Uganda. Wow. And I said, like, That's cool as that. So I said, So are you, you've got access to the weapons? He goes, Oh, yeah, yeah. I says, Have you got a gun on you now? Like carrying on. He just went quiet. I went, Okay, okay yeah, uh, change subject. If there's a safe houses around here, like for him, he goes, the safe houses everywhere. And I went, you're giving us this information, dead in easy, mess. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, oh, that's my favourite bit was, I went, I was like, all right, so like, what's his mother's maiden name? <laughs> and he was like, oh. I was like, on, like the United Arab Emirates delegate's going to have a visa debit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the name of his first pet. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, it was uh, Goldie. <laughs> One million pounds, <laughs> but he was lovely. But like that, that, I mean, the beautiful thing about those type of gigs, that'll never happen yeah. again. Yeah, that you had to be there, and that's what I love about like because I've filmed a lot of my live shows and I've watched them back, and I'm there's a lot of people who just churn as much stuff out until something sticks, yeah. and I can't do that. I can't do it. If I feel I've put something out that I wouldn't watch and I, or I'd hate myself, I feel terrible. Yeah. I, I look at it like it's. It's really constrictive integrity, <laughs> like, like where I'll go, like nah, I wouldn't do that. Where I know fine well that maybe three thousand people would like yeah, it, yeah. like, and I'd get at least I don't know, even if I get one percent of that, I've got thirty new followers. Yeah. You know, like it, it's insane. Like how much, like how different people can, how different people do their own careers. But for mine. I just love the fact that people come to see me and then go, you know what, I'd like to see him again. That makes me, that that's 10 times more important than having a million followers on oh, me. Yeah, and, and it's the similar with being a musician, you know, you can... Yeah, of course. You know, new followers, old followers, people that love your material, that's the, the likelihood yeah. of why you do it. 
Yeah, right. If, if someone comes up and he goes, oh, I've seen you here, here. That I, I got because we used to run a gig in uh, Sunderland at the Royalty. It's now the Stumble Inn, I think. But we used to run a gig there every Wednesday. The lineups we had there, you wouldn't believe. We had like we had Jimmy Carr there, we had Russell Howard, we had um, Frankie Boyle doing twenty minutes. Uh, but it was before they were like before they were massive. I remember once it was the same head promoter. He's called Neil McGee. He doesn't do it anymore now. But uh, he, used to, he used to run a lot of gigs, and we used to run around a Kendall Arts Brewery. Mm. The lineup. Justin Moorhouse opened Tiger Face off um, Phoenix Nights. In the middle, Russell Howard. Frozen, we had John Oliver. Wow. And that was just one gig. And it was like... Bloody hell. That, it was a wonderful gig. And at the time, yeah. I didn't realise how significant it was. Yeah. But when you look back at that, you just go... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose that you're fortunate as well that when you're the comedians are on, you're part of their audience. Yeah. yeah, of course. I've got like, like, I mean, I've supported some like big acts that really it does help you follow and because you get to play it to a lot more at once. I, I, I've toured with, I'm uh, not toured with, but I've done a couple of support acts for John Bishop and a couple for Jason Manford, a uh, couple of the big lads, you know, like I, I did Paul Chowdhury not so long back in the uh, Theatre Royal. So I had 15,000, 1500 people in. Great. And the fact that Paul Chowdhury is an Asian lad, and the Asian community, for whatever reason, a lot of them don't go out yeah, comedy, yeah. but like for, they'll come out in force, and so they're not seeing a lot of comedy. And then they've seen this stupid little, <laughs> stupid little lad before. Them, but I have never had more followers on Instagram wow. than after that. Never had as many followers. I got I got close to 130 followers off wow. one gig on Insta. It was mad. Crazy, it? Because like because like because the, the Asian community don't normally go yeah, to comedy, yeah, yeah. so they don't see. Except like like who who they would follow like uh, like uh, Chowdy who's a very very good comic and they watched him and they've gone all right we'll go and watch him and then they say oh right there, there is other yeah, comedy yeah, right yeah. brilliant and it's it's a great way of, like I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to like perform in front of that many people to see us otherwise it was good so who would you say then are your your comedy gods your comedy idols well I've got a lot some of them have fallen tragically. <laughs> uh, like Louis C.K., I used to think was one of the best comedy minds on the planet, but then, the, yeah, yeah the, he's 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 mucked that up now. But he he was something else, man. He was so good. Yeah. But uh, again, I try try to separate art from artists, but I can't. Uh, I got offered to support in Leeds for him Ooh. not so long back, and I just, oh, <sighs> no, I I I understand but, it because what what he was caught doing is is deep, deeply yeah. unpleasant. Yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not good. It's a power player, it's a vile. Yeah. Um, it's not. Um, and then, um, but the, the ones I do that I do for Daniel Kitson is my absolute favorite. You, for any listeners who don't know, you Spencer in Phoenix Nights. A lot of good good comics in yeah, Phoenix yeah, yeah. Nights. Uh, and yeah, Peter Kay is the most famous, which is yeah. baffling. He. He is like one of the most beautiful storytellers. He's absolutely magnificent. He's one of the best acts I've ever seen. Uh, Norm Macdonald, no, tragically yeah, dead. Yeah. Not that that special on Netflix if you haven't yeah. seen it. Uh, this dog, one of the best things I've ever seen. Um, I love um, oh, yeah. Dylan Moran. I've, yeah. I'm working with him. I'm working with him twice this year. I can't wait. He's his monster. The 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 the, the hour show he did called yeah. Monster. Still one of the best hours of stand up I've ever seen. I mean, like, it was superb. But, like, on the local circuit and stuff like that, I love one liners. I love a one liner. Like, on Mark Simmons, who does great ones. Um, Simon Lomas, who's like, just just a newcomer, but he's got some great one liners. Um, there's Gavin Webster, has always been one of my one of my favorite uh, comics. Lee Kyle, I think, is great. There's loads of great comics coming through the northeast mm-hmm. at the minute. With our, uh, we've, got a, we've got a collective going called Felt Note. That Lee started after stand after because um, we saw the northwest like band together and the northeast didn't really do do a lot yeah. of that because we just you know we just get on with mind our own here uh, but Lee just thought look why don't we get together yeah. and we all and we all said okay and, and he started this collective called Felt Note and um, we did, did they've started running gigs all over the northeast. Yeah. It's brought some brilliant talent out. Uh, some, and that's the thing that people want diversity, but they'll not go out of London because there's so many good, there's so many good female acts up here. There's so many good LGBTQ acts up here. There's so many, so many good uh, 
think minority acts yeah. up here is so good. We've got such a good roster. It's so diverse, but they'll knock out for us. And we've got like Louise Young, who's um, uh, Gail Ash is on tour at the minute because she did get picked up because she's very good. Uh, off the curb, took her on. She's just done support for Alan Carr and Tom Allen and a few others, and she's flying at the minute. She's going to be massive. She's got Edinburgh this year, and I think she's going to get a uh, uh, nod for Best New Comic. Uh, so there's her. Uh, but my, like uh, I say, my, my favourite, I think, might might be Daniel Kitson. Mm-hmm. Like, I I, like, he's the only comic who, I, like, if I see he's on, I'll try and buy yeah. a ticket. Because otherwise I'll just go like I'll phone them and go. Yeah, <laughs> I love Romesh as well. Romesh yeah. is a good lad. He's so uh, and his and, uh, career has gone shoof, up uh, into the stars. He's, yeah, but that's he's, he's still he's still the same clown he was. You know, he's still the same imbecile. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I'm trying to get him for a charity gig soon because I've just taken over uh, the uh, mantle of comedy support act. But this thing where um, we do gigs and we put it in, and if a comic can't work because of illness or, or accident or injury, we put uh, we give them. F- uh, I think it's f- there's a pot there to give them like a month's worth of That's money. Fifteen hundred quid we give out to any. It becomes under stress like that, and um, so we'll do that. And I've just become like because uh, the people that were doing it was like David Johns and uh, Lynn Chambers, who's now got a production mm-hmm. company, and David so busy because of his because of his film and that you know and he's doing the uh, stage thing of I Daniel Blake now so he was like he wants someone to take over so me and a couple of the comics are taking over and uh, I'm trying to get Ron to <laughs> come to the gig and he's like yeah yeah and every and like and then I just go quiet so I just text him going so yeah you're happy with comics suffering is this, is it? <laughs> and then eventually oh, oh, like a month will pass and I'll just go. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming, I'm just going because he's so yeah, busy. Yeah, he's, yeah. Busy. he's all over the place at the so moment. I'd like to get that. And Sean Locke yeah. was one of oh, my yeah, favorites yeah. as well. Yeah, I'd never worked with him, but I got to do, I do gigs in the ski resorts in Austria yeah. now and again called Altitude, and it's so yeah. good. And I've never worked with anything like, like we had uh, like Tim Minchin, mm-hmm. uh, well, Kevin Bridges, Kevin Bridges is one of the best as well, but um, it's so hard to pick a favorite, but um. But I, uh, Sean Locke was on, and I never seen him. I got to host the gala show that year. The big, like one of the big, that had four gala shows, and I got to host one of them, and it was just so exciting because it was uh, it was Catherine Ryan, Sophie Hagen, uh, Joel Domit, Daniel Sloss, and then closing was um, Sean. And uh, I brought Sean out, and he was he was one of the loveliest people. Like afterwards, apparently he came over. He like crossed the road before he left because he was leaving before us. He crossed the road. So yeah, he really enjoyed what I did, and that meant so. Oh, right. Like, whoa! And uh, he, and I thought I've never seen him, so I ran around and watched him. I, I, I nearly, I nearly yeah, passed yeah. out laughing. I've, I've had a couple uh, like that. Where you, yeah. he's he, he's yeah, such a lovely guy. So, but, um, so yeah, I, like there's loads, but like uh, I just. Uh, I just like I love watching like the I love watching the kids that are genuinely into it. Like I can always tell if you, if I'm watching an open spot like a young comic and I can tell who their favorite comic is from watching them, yeah. then it's not for me. Yeah. Like, I, but then I'll see someone like there's a lass called Lauren Stone in the northeast. She's this socially awkward lass, and like a persona on stage is just her, yeah. but she's so funny. <laughs> she is like astronomically funny and like so weird, and the thing. Stuff like that, like where quirky, kooky, like last week, and she was on at the weekend at the stand, and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> you know, what's she going to be like in front of these yeah. lot?" But normally, she'd be all right in front of an art house crew to like knit their own dinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they'll be like, "Oh God!" <laughs> but I've got some rough ass builders yeah. in, and like, I mean, not nothing wrong with builders, but like, you know, like probably like, out for yeah. a drink, this person fully, and she comes out, and this like awkward librarian little yeah. thing she's just like yeah I'm really old <laughs> and like, the whole the whole place goes up she's brilliant uh, and it's nice to see that that's what yeah. I love to watch more than like the big acts do well they're, they're fine I like to watch a new act that's got a completely original yeah. this one do it that's great well I can't thank you enough for giving me your time this evening. Um, my what, pleasure. A, what an amazing story. Uh, thank you for being my, well, breaking my comedian virginity. 
Well, you know, I'm I'm ideal for this. <laughs> I'll put all of your socials up on uh, the descriptor for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very uh, much. And I'm off to go and watch Stalked on uh, yeah. Stand, oh, yeah. Stand I do. Demand. 4.50, just uh, it's, it's okay. It's all right. I, I, I'm sure you're <laughs> worth it. Well, occasionally. Well, <laughs> well, thank you very much, Matt. It's uh, deeply appreciated. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, can I plug uh, my big show in March next year as well? Yep. Just fire yeah, away. Go I'm, now. Go. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing the time theatre because like, I did it I did it in January Like because I was selling the standout and I just thought, if I'm selling like 300 people yep. a go, I sold it to eight aims in a month. I went... I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this on a big scale. So I did the time. I, I took a plunge. I just went, right, I'm booking the time theatre and opera house. 1,100 wow. seats. Let's say I was panicked forever. Eventually, like on the night, I sold oh, was it? close enough to 1,000. And uh, like my brother, my brother bought tickets early. And obviously, he didn't, he didn't know me ticket sales. He didn't know anything about it. And because I'm his brother, you know, like I'm sure if you're a musician, yeah, you may as well, oh, I'm in a band and some people don't. Oh, all right, yeah. that's lovely. <laughs> uh, but like, my brother was like, "It's kind of the same." I'm a comic. Oh, are you son? So he goes, oh, "I'm coming to your show at the big, at the big one." You know, like he says, "Bit of support." And he just says, "He stood there next to his wife and uh, his nephew, my nephew." And I'll start looking. And there's like the place is like filling up. And he was just like, "What the yeah. fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was the best. It was uh, it was the best I've ever had. I, I had such a good time. And then. And like I say, I made them record uh, box office record on like on on, on the bar. <laughs> so I just went right. So I'm putting another one on 15th of March. It's called uh, Man Out of Hell. Very good. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's all about uh, coming from fence houses to where I am now. <laughs> Any chance you you recording it? Are you? But... Yeah. Well, I recorded the last one, but I forgot to ask the lads to uh, actually record the sound of the crowd. <laughs> so, it, so it looks like I don't know if you've ever seen it on YouTube where there's like Bob Monkhouse and they've just taken the laughter track <laughs> off. It looked like that. And I was like, I can't no, put this out. Uh, <laughs> it kind of defeats the idea of a comedy show, doesn't it? I've sold a thousand tickets to the people that hate this. I'm just like, hey. Yeah, I refuse to laugh. No matter what you say, <laughs> I refuse to laugh. Oh, but I but uh, it's like uh, but I'll probably try and record this one but yeah, a bit better so this time. Matt out bit. of hell. Man out of hell, fifteenth of March, twenty twenty four, and I'm hoping it started. I'm hoping to put it two together as well. So probably end of this year, beginning next. So okay. fingers well, crossed. As I say to everybody, Matt, the um, if you have any tours or anything that you need to get out to the world, come back on, tell us all about it again. Thank you for listening to uh, this episode. Thank you to our guest. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Feel free to uh, hit us up on any of the socials. Uh, and our website is www.mondostreet.co.uk. Looking forward to seeing you again on our next episode. Bye.